you are on the line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Phone lines are open, 334-321-1390. We're taking your calls, 334-321-1390. Find Levi at I on Twitter, at Point Gardner at Levi Fitzwater. Pack show for you guys today. We talk a little Auburn basketball to open it up. We'll talk some Auburn baseball as well, get you set for tonight's baseball game against Jacksonville State, as well as discussing KIV signing the Alabama NIL bill, allowing athletes to be able to profit off their name, image, and likeness in the state of Alabama. Major news shaking out on that front. In the NCAA, it seems like they're just... They're biding their time until the federal government brings out some legislation that will pretty much make this thing uniform across the country. I say pretty much it will make this thing uniform across the country, which is an area where I lean to. I I think that would be good rather than having different states with different advantages. But we'll get to that later. Starting off the show here, talking about Auburn basketball earning the commitment of another transfer. And this was a guy that I actually didn't feel confident about Despite what you may read out there, I just it didn't make sense to me why Desi Sills would want to come to Auburn based on some of the things he said about why he was transferring out of Arkansas. But maybe we just read a little bit too much into that. Auburn adds the commitment of Arkansas transfer guard Desi Sills. Levi, why Auburn? I still don't know. I mean, I, the way I equated it to, we were talking about he wanted to let Desi be Desi. And initially we thought that meant maybe he wanted to go somewhere and be the star of a team. When you start talking in third person, sometimes, and I'm not saying that he's a conceited person, but, but what do you think about people when they start talking in third person? They're a little into themselves, that, right? Yeah, sometimes people think that way, and maybe we just took what he said wrong. Maybe he wanted to go to a program that was just that going... That fits more of his play style. Yeah, that was just going to let him you know, but have Arkansas a nice run and But seems that that would be the style of play right I mean it's also you're looking at Auburn across you know you're looking at them across the schedule and seeing all these teams that they're loading up on and you're thinking I could just go there I don't have to be the guy still has two more years of eligibility I could just come play with a bunch of ballers and then the next thing you know we're like he could be if Desi Seals is like your fourth offensive option which is kind of off the top of my head that's what he seems like he could be you're pretty good. Like you're you're set up pretty well if that guy is one of your fourth options on your team to score. If he's like a fourth or fifth option because he's he he could be a one on most like he could be the number one scoring option on other programs even within your own conference. Like we were talking about that with Texas A&M. He goes to Texas A&M and he could be the guy for their offense. Now you see, we say that, though, but you look at his numbers and they're in the same ballpark as Devin Cambridge on Auburn's roster. In terms of what he shot last year's percentages, he shot 31.8% from three. Devin Cambridge shot 28%. And then there's like a 2% difference in overall field goal percentage. Devin Cambridge might have been at like 41 or 40. 
And then Desi Seals finishes at 43% overall last year. He's a 67.6% free throw shooter, which isn't overly impressive. Devin Cambridge gobbling up a little bit more rebounds per game. Desi Seals only sitting at 2.7. He gets the 1.6 assist and a whole steal a game. He's able to contribute in different ways, but Arkansas dropped his minutes from 31.2 minutes per game in 2019-2020, where he was a legitimate scoring option for Arkansas. And going into this year, people saw Desi Sills as a legitimate SEC Player of the Year contender, and he drops 11 minutes a game almost to 20.7 minutes per game this past season, only averages 7.5 points per game. And obviously, we've already talked about the shooting numbers not the greatest shooting numbers in the world either and so he's coming to an Auburn basketball team that has three four five mouths to feed in front of Desi Seals in my mind Alan Flanagan Walker Kessler Jabari Smith Wendell Green Jr. is a ball dominant player yeah hence why he's a point guard obviously point guards tend to be ball dominant but at Eastern Kentucky he was a ball dominant player and he shot the basketball a lot okay, at a was, high volume. He was a scoring. He was he was a primarily scoring point guard. With he was a Jared ability. Harper. Yes, yes, and he knows how to distribute. So I have a hard time believing that ball dominant point guard is about to step aside for Desi Seals. So you have those four players right there, and in the event that JT Thor returns, Desi Seals doesn't start at Auburn next year. He's coming off the bench. And then you also talk about the other guys that play his position, considering he's a shooting guard. I, more of a combo guard, too, because he is at six foot one, two 202. So, so I do think that he can carry the basketball a bit. But when you look at his, his averages, the best he's ever averaged in terms of assists per game is at 1.7 back in 2018-2019 as a freshman. So he really didn't – he's never really been a distributor of the basketball. He's been primarily a scoring guard. Mainly he's going to play at the two – He's got Devin Cambridge. Alan Flanagan can play the two. He's got Trey Alexander. Zepp Jasper can play there. There's four other guards at the spot that can play that position over him. And there's one thing that I'm I'm kind of sitting here looking at and thinking. Desi Sills, if I'm not mistaken, he's not really on NBA draft boards right now. Like that's not a guy that they're looking at. And you said it. They have two he has two years of eligibility. He might the way he view the way Desi Sills might be viewing this might be different than the way we're talking about it right now. We're just kind of looking at it for a next year thing with how talented that Auburn roster is. Maybe he's sitting here thinking, I could go on this team next year, play with a lot of talented guys, learn the system, play a little bit, and then next year I will be one of the guys. Like I will be one of those guys because you are you got to be sitting there thinking, Alan Flanagan might be gone next year. If JT Thor comes back this year, he might be gone. Jabari Smith is almost guaranteed to be gone. It will open up a little bit, and he will be able to play, you know, he would have a a significant amount of playing time the next year. Maybe not this upcoming season, but the season after that, if he so chooses. There might have been some sort of internal discourse that he was having where he was not happy with just Arkansas, the program. Maybe he felt that his minutes droppage wasn't based off of his play. Maybe he felt that Maybe he's okay with the minute droppage, but maybe he felt like he was wronged in some way. Maybe that was why he just wanted to go somewhere else and that somewhere in the West where he could beat Arkansas. Maybe that's something that he viewed as well it at first it doesn't make a lot of sense for for him personally to come to Auburn Auburn is definitely sitting there just loving life the fact that he's here because you can never have too many options on a basketball team we saw especially at the guard position because we saw it last year or we haven't really seen it with Desi Sills but we saw what happened last year with Auburn 
where they were just devout of any point guard whatsoever once Sharif Cooper and Justin Powell were not playing. At least this, they're sitting there, Auburn's loading up with a bunch of guards saying, you know what, we're not letting that happen again. We got some point guards. We got some guys who might can do a little bit of combo guard action. We're not letting this happen again. Desi Seals joining the Auburn Tigers via transfer from Arkansas. If you'll remember, Auburn was the best team. That, that, that was the team that he played the best against. He was the, they called him the Auburn killer. That's what one of his teammates called him because he always played very well against Auburn. Like it's just that, that was how it is. So now you just go join him. Let's see. Numbers against Auburn this past year. Shot in the second game. He had 22 points and shot 7 for 12. He was 0 for 1 from 3. And then in the first meeting against Auburn where he played 35 minutes, he had 23 points and he shot above 50% of that game as well and above 50% from 3. So the two meetings against Auburn, he averaged 22 and a half points a game. Joining the team that I, I don't know if he scored above 20 in any other meeting. He did not. Those were the only two... Those were only two games this past year that he shot above 20 points. If you can't lose to him, join him. <laughs> <laughs> says, says intern Sting from the other side of the room. That's pretty good. That's the, that's the complete opposite of what Kevin Durant would do, right? Um, yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant would be a, you know, he, he would be a Gonzaga right now. He, there's no chance. I mean, he, he's, he's going to find the easiest path that he can go to. Kevin Durant, please. Get out of here, Kevin Durant. Well, no, no, no. If this was Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant would be leaving Texas for Abilene Christian. <laughs> yes, yes, Texas for Abilene Christian or leaving Gonzaga for Baylor. He's going wherever the wind's going, and he's not getting a ring. So how does this affect the roster, and what role do you expect Desi Sills to play at Auburn next season? I I expect a bench player. Like I expect him coming off the bench as... I'm a, expecting a role player. Yeah, I'm expecting him a role. Like think, Which is still why I'm so confused about this whole transfer. We don't really know the motives of it. Maybe he wants to go to a winner, but the vibe I got from him transferring from Arkansas was that he wanted to play more. I don't see how he's going to play more than 20 minutes a game at Auburn next year. I, I don't see it. And maybe he's he might be high on himself. He might be, He might actually believe that he could work his way into the starting rotation at Auburn that might not happen but he might believe that you got to think a lot of athletes they see themselves a lot differently than you know people like us who sit there and watch them from the outside the media the fans a lot of these athletes a lot of them think they are the best player on the court at all times even when they are clearly not the best player on the court at all times so he might come in and be thinking I'm gonna go to Auburn and start he might that could be one of his motives, he could just be wanting to go play for a winner. He might just want to change a scenery, and he might see that, look, like Arkansas here lately, they've been a very good team. But recently, like I just saw Auburn go to the Final Four. I know what they're bringing to the table next season in terms of talent. I could play with some of those guys. Probably going to make me look a lot better when I'm coming, you know, if I'm coming off the bench and or starting, I'm going to look better. It could help me in the future. And then a lot of these guys are going to be gone the next year. I can come in, be the guy that, you know, my senior year. And it, it, maybe he just wants to play style. Like maybe he just likes that fun. Cause it looked like Bruce Pearl says it's a fun style. You've it's got a fun the style. green light. You got, if, if you can shoot, you're open. You got the green light to shoot it. And maybe that's, and again, that maybe that's what he meant by let Desi be Desi. Maybe he just wants somewhere where he could just 
let it rip whenever he wanted to. I still think Arkansas was that way. At least it appears that way from the outside because Arkansas is one of the faster teams in all of college basketball. But we've been saying about why this doesn't make sense for Desi Sills. This is a great pickup for Auburn. Oh, it makes a lot of sense standpoint this is great pickup for Auburn you're getting another guard when last year you had guard trouble especially at the point guard position we haven't really seen him play that you know do a lot of dishing and you know controlling the game but maybe he comes in maybe Bruce Pearl sees something in him where he could be a combo guard and come in like maybe he just sees that he's a guy who can come off the bench and light up if, if he's coming off your bench in the SEC, that's that's in, that's insane. Because I wonder that's a, what he's a starter means, on most teams. I wonder what this means for Zepp Jasper and Devin Cambridge, two guys that are going to be vying for playing time against Desi Seals. I mean, I, also Trey Alexander. I, I, I should not forget about yes, and you got incoming top seventy-five player in the country, Trey Alexander. Out of those four guys, who do you think is going to be the one that takes the hit the most? Like, who do you think is the one who's going to not get the most playing time out of those guys? Because like I, I could see it being, I, I could, could see it being Devin Cambridge. Yeah, and but because one, Devin Cambridge, at least from inconsistent, had his worst year on yes. campus yet. And from what I've seen from a fan perspective, they don't like him. Like most Auburn basketball fans that I have seen, they're they're hard on Devin Cambridge because of the inconsistency. That that's what happens when you're an inconsistent basketball player and you continue to underperform. You're going to lose the fan support real quickly. And I've seen a lot of fans not very happy with Devin Cambridge. So that's already working against him. Plus, he saw a 5% dip in field goal percentage from his freshman ooh. year to his sophomore year and a 6% dip in three-point percentage. He just shot 28.7% from three. Also, at the free throw line, should add, 30% jump. He went from 27.8% free throw percentage back in his freshman year to 58 percent this year neither of those are good no it's not good but at least it got better another 30 percent uh, yeah, okay. jump and he's one of the better free throw shooters in the league that okay I'll, I'll give you that at least he improved i yeah i know you were reading that off your laptop i wish you would have seen sting's face when you said 20 what was it 28 percent it's a lot worse than i thought it would have been i thought someone yeah i thought someone was like being attacked from the other side of the room the look of horror that i saw on sting's face when you're reading off well that he stat. jumped up i'll say this he played a, a shockingly he played 25 minutes a ball game this past year but he had to the backcourt yeah. was hurting i think his playing time probably drops the most but he is also the only like returning guard at the moment on Auburn's roster, Trey Alexander, Zepp Jasper, and Desi Sills all are coming in. So to say playing time, who, who's going to take a hit? It's got to be Devin Cambridge because those other three guys yeah. weren't on the roster. I don't see Devin Cambridge averaging more than 20 minutes at ballgame next year either. There's just, there's just limited spots. He can't play point guard. I don't. Alan Flanagan plays the same position as him, and Alan Flanagan at least showed improvement this past year. Devin Cambridge showed regression from – his freshman year to his sophomore year also you look at how many guards that Auburn has brought in part of it's to replace the guys that they lost because they did lose a substantial portion of their backcourt pretty much the entire backcourt they lost due to transfer or the NBA draft but they're bringing in guys that like I said are going to be competing with Devin Cambridge and and, and plain and simple they're they're all guys that are a little bit more consistent of players overall than Devin Cambridge is and a lot of Devin Cambridge be is a guy that you can probably give 
15 minutes, 16 minutes a game to, and if he's got a hot hand and he's he's balling out and he's the Devin Cambridge that can drop 20 on a team because that Devin Cambridge does exist. He has, back in his freshman year, he single-handedly won Auburn a few games when he was able to get a hot hand. But unfortunately, last year for Auburn, you got the Devin Cambridge that was pretty much inconsistent the entire year. If you get a Devin Cambridge that gets a hot hand, then maybe he earns you know 20 to 25 minutes in those ball games. But if it's Devin Cambridge that is not a hot hand, I think you lean more towards guys like Zepp Jasper, who offers you stuff on the defensive end, also can play point guard as well if you need him to. You go to Desi Sills, who we've already established, has slightly better numbers than Devin Cambridge in some areas. And then you also can go to Trey Alexander, who they've got to get on the floor, right? The guy's a McDonald's All-American nominee. Nominee. He's not going to be a McDonald's All-American, but at least I don't think he will be. But you gotta get him on the floor too as a freshman, right? Because you don't want to j- you don't want to have him jaded. Like you don't want to just you don't want to lose him in the yeah, future. Because if you're if you're playing, you know, this whole thing with Devin Cambridge, we're like, oh, he's been here. We gotta play him a little bit, and then Trey Alexander sitting there going, I'm I'm better than this dude. Uh, I, why am I Why am I here? I'll go transfer somewhere else. Like Desi Sills and Devin Cambridge, you look at their numbers, and, and Cambridge did play five minutes per game at Auburn five minutes more per game at Auburn last year than Desi Sills did at, at Arkansas, but they they kind of play the same role at both of those teams. And so Auburn just brought in a guy who very much so resembles Devin Cambridge, but maybe with a higher ceiling at the moment oh, yeah, because we've seen what Desi Sills has done in previous years. He just took a step back this past year at Arkansas. I think Devin Cambridge, out of that group, considering Auburn went out and recruited Trey Alexander to come to Auburn, Auburn went out and recruited Zepp Jasper, who also just signed his agreement to come to Auburn today that that news came in so he has officially signed to come to Auburn he will be a Tiger next season it's more than just a commitment now Auburn went out and got those guys and Devin Cambridge Devin Cambridge was still on the roster so Auburn obviously saw a role for those players next season Desi Seals also fits into that category and I think he's a better player than Devin Cambridge so I think to answer your question when you said who who has the most to lose out of that group obviously it's Devin Cambridge because he was the lone guy on the roster but, I agree with that but I, I would say that he's probably lower on the totem pole than, than some of those guys coming in but with that being said there will be it will be really important early in the season really important with the way these guys play non-conference play and Auburn's playing a tough non-conference schedule yet again they're in the battle for Atlantis next season which is going to be an absolutely fantastic trip if you can make it down to the Bahamas for it that is going to be that that is a better tournament than the Maui Invitational. Don't at me. It is. There's better teams in it every year from top to bottom. Auburn's going to be challenged. But they play in the dark. It's like it's so weird. It like is they, a darker facility. You it's are like right. everything's dark around the basketball. That's kind of how that's like weird. NBA facility NBA. Like the, that's how the Lakers are. Like the yeah. Lakers feel really dark as well. But with that being said, Auburn is going to play tough teams in the non-conference. Very and you're going to know who your dudes are when you come out of non-conference play. And so non-conference is going to be very important for this position battle at shooting guard where all these guys, you got four different dudes right now playing for minutes at the shooting guard position. And Devin Cambridge right now, he's, he's, he's going to have to battle for his spot because it, it, he could be losing it. At least that's the way it looks from the outside. Maybe Bruce Pearl. Bruce Pearl is going to have a crazy hard time managing minutes this upcoming year. This is a you got a lot of mouths to feed. This is a wild jigsaw puzzle this, right now. This is a good problem to have, though. In basketball, you want oh, to have yeah. this kind of depth. This is a Great good problem. problem to have. Auburn's going 10, 10 players deep on oh, the rotation. Yeah. Ten that's players, good, and deep. that's amazing. If you can go ten players deep in college basketball, you are you should be a very good basketball team. This team is deeper and talent wise better 
than the Final Four team. I'll say it. And we'll just see who gets hotter. I mean, if they get if this team doesn't get hot down the stretch, they could not have the season that that Final Four team had. But when you look at it talent-wise and you look at it depth-wise, you're 100% right. This team is better depth and talent-wise than that Final Four team. On the other side of this break, we go and speak about the Auburn baseball series against Jacksonville State coming up. We'll get you the scouting report against the Gamecocks and also get you set for this weekend in the conference for SEC baseball. You're listening to On the Line. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 1067 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Phone lines are open. Number to call 334-321-1390. We're taking your calls. Anything that's on your mind in the sports world, we will talk with you about it. Once again, 334-321-1390. Find Levi and I on Twitter at Point Gardner at Levi Fitzwater. Just wrapped up a good conversation about Auburn basketball it's a great problem to have if you're Auburn right now when you're talking about how many mouths they have to feed next season. But Desi Sills' commitment definitely throws a wrench, I think, into certain players' playing time next year. Lots of decision-making to be had about minutes next year. But one thing's for sure, Auburn's 10-11 players deep in their rotation and I would say more talented than the roster that they had with that final four team at least going into that year the way I view this team going into this season is of a much higher stature than the way I viewed the final four team going into that year yeah and that's I mean that's fair like that's how it that's how it should be because going into the season this is all subject to change this Auburn team could be bad next year but talent wise they're going to be talented it might not transition to wins because it's it sometimes it doesn't you can't tell me that that Kentucky team last year the Duke team last year that those weren't good teams, or I'm sorry, those weren't good. Very, those weren't talented teams. They weren't very good teams, and That's that could happen. That could happen. But there is one thing for sure: this is a it's more loaded. talented Auburn team coming in. I think it'll materialize. I think you got a lot of guys who play, who are going to play well together. But Joe Lenardi thinks it's just an eighth seed. Yeah, I know, right? That's kind of funny. That's crazy. They, Did think, you see Alabama post? Yes. The one seed pro- projection to their Twitter account. I was like, what are we doing? I think uh Jacob what are we doing? I think Jacob Hillman had the best tweet when he said, Fortunately for Alabama basketball, this wasn't the worst tweet to happen yesterday. Because the Raiders the Raiders had a pretty big that, uh, yeah. had a pretty big gaffe yesterday. That was an that was an oof moment. Yeah, that social media intern is gone. I think Davis, though, the owner for the Raiders, took responsibility for it. Oh. He did. He said that it was his tweet. That well, I mean, it was his idea. Well, I mean, that makes a lot more sense because I, I don't have much faith that he's making good decisions in his life. Have you seen that haircut? Let's be honest. He, his decision-making isn't great. Also, the Raiders organization has a hard time selecting a nice semblance of talent. But I mean, they, they pick, I mean, they picked a guy at, what, three a few years ago in Cleveland Farrell that, that would have been there at 28 where they picked. They had two first-round picks. They picked him with the third pick where they could have got him with the 20-something pick. And uh Good talented kid, but uh, he was not the third. He was not. He should not have been drafted that high. Again, we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that. In a, you know, later on next week about how uh, the Raiders are going to mess up this draft as well. Auburn baseball beat Sanford yesterday six to four, and it's not often that you can say the bullpen held on. But yesterday, the bullpen held on for Auburn. Five different guys made an appearance in the ball game after 
Trace Bright, the starter, was bounced after one inning pitched against Sanford. He gave up two runs, had a walk, had two strikeouts, gave up a home run as well. Only faced five batters, but did give up the two runs to start it off. And then his day was over. And from there, it was Morrison, Glavin, Swilling, Skipper, and Greenhill all the way through. And they locked it down, only giving up two more runs through that group. Peyton Glavin got the win yesterday for his two innings of work, only giving up two hits, one run on those two hits. Four strikeouts for Peyton Glavin and facing a total of eight batters. Greenhill got the save for closing out the ball game with a strikeout and no hits. Was there, there was no damage done to Greenhill, and he was able to put it away. So Auburn getting the much-needed victory against Sanford tonight. They take on Jacksonville State at 6 p.m. at Plainsman Park. That game also, I believe, on SEC Network Plus as well. A look at some of the other things going on in the SEC tonight. Well, it's just Auburn and Jacksonville State tonight, actually. I'm trying to go ahead and actually get to the schedule for you guys for this weekend. Schedule begins on Thursday with two Thursday night games. One seed, or number one Arkansas, I'll say one seed. Arkansas will be a national seed, though, when it gets to the NCAA tournament. Top 11 matchup there. Number one Arkansas against number 11 South Carolina. South Carolina with a chance to make a to make a huge impression to the selection committee. When you're talking about how South Carolina shocked some teams this year, not expecting them to be as good as they are, expecting them to be a tournament team, but not be uh, in the running for a national seed. South Carolina right now seems to be squarely in the mix for that. They get a home series against Arkansas with a with a chance to make a huge impression. I, I think you could look at South Carolina with the potential to pull an upset this weekend against the number one team in the country. And if they do, I mean that's that's going to raise some eyebrows. It's going to get a lot of attention. I mean, a lot of attention is already on this South Carolina team because they have overperformed from what the expectations were going in this season. You come in and win or even sweep an Arkansas team that is, you know, what has been the number one team in the country perceived, you're looking pretty good. Like, you're sitting there vying. You're looking really good. Ole Miss has gone south in recent weeks. Yeah. They've fallen all the way to number 12 in the nation, but they host LSU with a chance to get back on track. That also on Thursday night. And then the rest of the weekend series in the SEC, Alabama will be on the road against Kentucky. Kentucky hanging on by a thread in some NCAA tournament projections at the moment after a hot start. They have fallen through the standings. Kentucky right now sitting second to last at the SEC East with that 7-8 conference record, but still very much so in the mix for an NCAA tournament selection. Alabama, on the other hand, though, has skyrocketed up the standings to fourth in the SEC West, sitting at 7-8 and eight themselves, a chance to get into winning record territory in SEC play as they take on Kentucky on the road already mentioned the Arkansas South Carolina series of course Auburn hosting 15 Florida this weekend a chance for Auburn to maybe generate some momentum we say that every weekend though Georgia at Missouri as well number six Tennessee at Texas A&M and then the top five matchup big one number two Vanderbilt will host number four Mississippi State this weekend in SEC play as well on the other side of this break, we talk about KIV signing the Alabama NIL bill. What does this mean for teams in the state? Stay tuned for more of On the Line. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Thirty minutes through the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 1067 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Phone lines are open 334-321-1390. Questions, comments, we want to hear from you. Once again, 334-321-1390. The phone lines 
are open. Find Levi and I on Twitter at Point Gardner at Levi Fitzwater. Keep up with all of the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well at Radio AL Sports. Between collegiate and high school sports content, we've got you covered. Once again, that's RadioAlabamaSports.net. Tease this coming into the segment. K. Ivy, Governor K. Ivy, that is, signed the Alabama nil bill allowing athletes to be able to profit off their name image and likeness which is what nil stands for if people have been confused about that it stands for name image and likeness it's an acronym and she signed the bill into law allowing athletes to be able to profit once again off their name image and likeness here in the state of alabama what direction are we heading in this grand conversation in collegiate athletics that the NCAA is clearly losing at this point has lost I would say because Good. there are I see you <laughs> Good. There, there are already states Florida being one of them Florida's actually going in to action this year I believe Alabama's maybe as well but and I think Mississippi also another state locally that has or regionally that has laws going into place it, it's happening and the NCAA is sitting in a position where there is either going to be 50 different laws across the state that allow their athletes to benefit off their name image and likeness or there's going to be one federal law that everybody has to follow and i would agree with the ncaa stance i think just not thinking about it too deeply just saying i would agree with the ncaa stance that i i believe it is the ncaa's perspective that they would rather congress come up with a federal law that regulates this across the country instead of having 50 different laws that they have to deal with individually because these different laws each state might be approaching this from a different perspective that could give advantages to the universities that are held inside their state recruiting advantages that is and so all of these states right now that are passing laws at this moment alabama included they're doing it so that they're universities can compete on the same playing field recruiting wise as other states that have these so that this can't be a recruiting pitch a negative recruiting pitch used against auburn alabama uab troy and everybody else in the state that is recruiting here it's opened that door for them and and mainly it's for alabama and auburn of course because those are the two that i think you would see auburn and alabama athletes have a much better opportunity to make money than troy and uab athletes just because of their prominence and their television coverage and whatnot but that's not to say that uab and troy athletes couldn't but there is definitely a higher ceiling if you were to be playing at auburn and alabama it's the life i mean that's the lifeblood we said it off here that's the lifeblood of the state that's the economy of this the major portion of it that's that's what you think of if if you if you take into account that alabama and auburn let's say they both fell behind in recruiting because players opted to go to mississippi they opted to go to florida california in 2023 when they signed their bill iowa new jersey any of these other states thought they'd probably go to jersey but any of these other states that have the ability for them to make you know like you know make monetary value off of their name and likeness and image and alabama and auburn fall behind and then you start you stop having all these people go to the games like maybe people are still going to watch people are going to go but say that decreases that's going to decrease all of those shops, all of those restaurants in the surrounding area. That just means that the economy is not going to be what it should be in these states. You're also going to have tuition or uh, enrollment. Enrollment's going to drop because these players aren't coming in. 
and a big draw. People want to come to I Auburn. I don't know if I'd go as far as say enrollment's going to drop. It'll drop a bit. I mean, there are going to be students who don't. Who but they'll still come. find players that will come, though, right? So yes. I think you still hit the numbers. I mean, you hit the numbers, Maybe but the it's programs not, get a little bit worse. But yeah, but like people, like you're not going to have the same. It's not going to be the same as it is right now. And the way Alabama is, the way the landscape is for this state, there's not a professional sports team in this state. They make the money off of college athletics. Yep. That's where the that's where that revenue comes from. And if people aren't coming, or I'm sorry, if high profile athletes aren't coming that we have seen go to Alabama and Auburn in the past years, people aren't going to want to watch as much as they have, sure. and it's going to take a hit. And this is. You said it best, especially off air when we were talking. This is so they don't fall behind. This is so what generates a lot of revenue in the state does not fall behind. I'm with you. I would like to see a full national. Uh, like I would love to see levels a national the bill. playing field a bit. I because all these different ones could have different intricacies that could really help. Um, I and just and these different. I don't like having. I don't like for personally having to keep up with 50 different yes. uh, legislations. Like maybe that's unfair to whatever anybody else wants. Like maybe it's just a selfish thing where I'm thinking, I don't want to have to sit here and go, well, why did this kid go to California over this one? Oh, because he can make five percent more money there than here because of I some little loophole. I think that's the loophole. NCAA stance, though. They would like to not have to deal with fifty different laws. No, oh, I agree. With just you. one law that makes it. And and I I think the NCAA knows they've lost the battle. Well, the NCAA is sitting here thinking, man, we were able to make so much money off off of these people for free, and now you know they're about to start making their money. It's just, it's crazy. And now the NCAA is sitting there going, well, I can't make money for free off anybody anymore. I'm sad. I want people to look at me. I don't care. Get out of here. I hate I hate the NCAA. I'll say it. I hate them. I think they know they've lost. One hundred percent. They, th- they this battle, it. and they're trying to now adjust. And I think the way that they see the best way to adjust here the way is that allow Congress to sort it mm-hmm. out and that there should be a federal law that governs this or regulates this a little more easily than 50 different ones that they would then have to yes. manage because the NCAA is trying to create an environment for uh, and they're trying to create a competitive environment that is on a level playing field or at least they say that they're trying to but like that's what the rules are in place for in all these different sports to create a a competitive environment that everybody theoretically is on a level playing field correct and so it's theoretically it's harder to do that if there are 50 different states yeah with different legislations right it's hard to manage that when you're when you're talking alabama has different laws than florida and then georgia and all these other places and then maybe Georgia has an advantage over Florida teams, and then Alabama and Alabama and Auburn maybe have advantages over Mississippi teams and things like that. And so the NCAA, I think, is trying to now just accept the fact and deal with the fact that, well, this is happening, and now we need to find a way to regulate this so that there is competitive fairness in yeah, they NCAA just, activities. They just don't want it to become a – an unfair they don't want this to become an unfair advantage they've accepted the fact that they have lost this battle that this is going to happen now the ncaa just does not want this to to turn into like you said an advantage for this state this state this state against these other states that don't have that bill signed into action i i mean i agree with the fact that it should be there should be some sort of federal law we're gonna we're trending towards that direction i think that's going to happen when that happens i don't know because uh laws are 
laws and legislation are finicky. They take a long time to do, and that's just how the world works. So I'm not sure how this is actually like when it's going to play out in totality for all the different states. I think this is a good thing for the athletes. I think this trends into a better direction for them because of the fact that they are pretty much, especially for certain sports. When you think of certain sports like football, where it in college athletes, athletics in general, where you're, it's so demanding. You can't, you, a lot of them uh, where you couldn't even have a job. And I mean, there's certain ways that they just could not make money in college. And this is going to help them. This is going to help them. It's going to help them make a little bit of money while they're in college when they're playing a sport, especially when you start looking at the upper echelons of college football, college basketball. I still kind of wonder on that though. I understand your point, but I think there's also going to be there's going to be a class system when it comes to this. There are going to be players that are financially like I, I think there's going to be a small percentage of athletes inside each university that makes all the money. No, a hundred percent. I mean, if so, I I actually don't think it helps the I, people out there that can't go and get a job I because think, I think because average Joe Schmo on the team that has that has no clout in you know on social media or even just in the general sphere of football basketball whatever it may be like a walk-on's not going to be able to to leverage their i still think they will be able to leverage it to a degree because you are going to have fans like if you're random joe schmo and you're just saying hey I, I play at the university of alabama i play at auburn university and you go to x place let's say any just grocery store or apparel shop whatever and you're there signing autographs and taking pictures for the day and you're charging five dollars for a meet and greet somebody uh, people are going to take their their kids and be like oh i got an auburn players autograph and the kid's gonna love it even though they the younger kid doesn't realize that this guy isn't playing but they see oh he's on this team well that also brings me up to this point then i don't think that every single way to make money is going to necessarily be allowed i do believe there will be restrictions around it because some places i think i've seen stuff around where athletes have to have their money placed into a trust fund to where they can get that when they get out of college not while they're in college so that's where i go back to i i I still i'm having a hard time coming around with the idea that this is going to help the the athlete that and it might have a hard time paying yeah. bills. It might not help them because I still believe that a very, very small percentage of athletes is actually going to be able to take advantage of this. And that's fair. And it might not help them, at least initially. But this is a step in the right direction for those players. It, at least in the when you're looking at it from the outside scope in the longer picture, it will at least be a step in the right direction. Does that mean that that translates into helping other people, helping those kind of players? Doesn't necessarily mean that, but outside looking in it does at least look like a step in the right direction for those guys something else i want to point out here as we go to break unintended consequences it's a thing in everything oh yeah there's going to be those and people need to be careful i'll just say people need to be careful about this because you, you don't know who you might be hurting when you even though you're trying to help yep on the line on fox sports central alabama on 98.3 fm and espn 106.7 Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with the on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Wrapping up hour number one here. Before we do, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. 
Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. It's Wednesday and that means a new episode of The Masked Singer. The Super 8 performs on Fox from 7 to 9. There's a sitcom lineup on ABC beginning at 7 with The Goldbergs. At 7.30, catch Home Economics. At 8, The Connors. And at 8.30, call your mother. Movie selections for tonight. Wolverine travels to Japan as an opportunity to remove his immortality arises. Wolverine is on AMC at 7. Skyfall is on BBC at 7 as well. Shrek is cast into an alternate universe of far far away and must overcome Rumpelstiltskin to get back his happily ever after. Shrek Forever After is on Freeform at 7. A classic comedy My Cousin Vinny is on FX Movies at 7. In live sports, we have an interleague matchup in the MLB with the Atlanta Braves at the New York Yankees on ESPN at 5.30. Two NBA games are on NBA TV starting at 6 with the Phoenix Suns at the Philadelphia 76ers. At 9, the Memphis Grizzlies and the Los Angeles Clippers close out the night. I'm Noah Gardner and that's what's on TV tonight. Wrapping up hour number one here on On the Line on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. It's been a good hour number one here. If you missed any of it, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, follow ESPN 106.7 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station between the Max Roundtable, On the Line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more. Seven hours of local sports talk. That's all on ESPN 106.7. Find the website on ESPNAU.com. Atlanta Braves last night lost 3-1 to to the New York Yankees, two of the more disappointing teams, I would say. I would say they're the two most disappointing teams in Major League Baseball this year when compared to their preseason expectations and projections. It's not saying Yankees, they're the worst teams. They're saying no. they're the most disappointing because both of these teams have legit – they had legitimate World, World Series, Series aspirations. aspirations coming into the year. And you They're see both the way sitting they at fourth in their respective divisional standings. It's early. Well, the they, Yankees are fifth now. It's early. They play like what, like four or five hundred games a year. They'll be fine. I mean, it's ridiculous how many games they play. Shorten the season. I don't think they should shorten the season because that's where you will actually see a monetary hit. Oh, 100 percent And baseball needs the 162 games no, in order why, to make their money. That's why they have that this many games. It's not for the fact that but, this many games definitely makes where this many games do, like, it doesn't what's the word i'm looking for it doesn't uh show who your true top teams are by the end of it like it helps but like you don't need this many games to figure that out this is purely it's purely monetary that they have this many so i'll add this i I, i'm a big baseball guy i love baseball i'm actually doing color tonight with scott bagwell scott will be handling play-by-play duties tonight for a major Auburn High School baseball matchup on 96.3 W. Lee. First pitch at 5 p.m., so make sure you tune into that on Sister Station, 96.3 W. Lee. Central only with like three losses this year. They're like 28-3 or something like that. It's Auburn High School against Central, a major area matchup. Auburn needed to take this first game in the series here tonight against Central to be able to advance to the postseason. I mean, major. I mean, you, you look at all three of the teams in Albert High's area, it's ridiculous. They all have like five losses or less this baseball season. But I'm a baseball guy, a huge baseball guy. I love it. I just had to take a second to shamelessly plug the, the Albert High broadcast tonight because that's where I'll be headed right after this. But I'm a big baseball guy. And baseball purists are going to hate what I'm about to say because they always do when I tell them this in person and people just scoff at it. But I think I think it's a brilliant idea. Drop the innings to seven innings, man. Instead of dropping the instead of dropping the season from 162 to a, to less games, because then you're going to lose money. Drop it from nine to seven. Nobody needs three hours to watch a baseball game. You get more excitement out of a seven inning baseball game because. 
you have less time you're no longer having to sit here across nine innings to decide a winner why do you need nine innings to decide a winner seven innings will do just the trick you play seven innings in high school all the way and then you get to college and you're playing nine innings at that point but I think you generate a little bit more excitement because there's less time over the course of a baseball game each at bat matters a little bit more you don't need 27 at bats per team to figure out who's going to win a baseball game on top of that you want to talk about money you're going to save money on your payroll Oh yeah, because you're not going to have bull- less pitchers. You don't need a bullpen anymore. You have less pitchers, and you also are going to man Auburn save might, arms. Auburn might be undefeated if they went to seven uh, seven innings. You wouldn't have to That's rely on the bullpen ever. You're going to save arms. Guys aren't going to yeah. be getting hurt. Your guys aren't going to be hurt as much. You'll players see. players are going to have more longevity to their careers. At least pitchers will because they won't be throwing uh, a bajillion innings across the season. Your payroll will decrease because you have less pitchers at that point. It also so you save a little bit of money there. Now that may jack up the amount of money that you pay other players. Your your league's elite, but I mean it's going to astronomical numbers anyway at this point. So yeah. I mean it's trending. That so you're direction. saving at least a little bit on the guys that are no longer will no longer be on your roster, and you're seeing your starting pitchers for a higher percentage of the game itself. You know, yes, like you're mo- seeing your best across the majority, and that's of the game. good. Like you want to go out there also, and watch your best pitchers. You don't want to watch the dude coming out of the bullpen throwing for one, you know, two at bats, and then going back in there. You want to see your starting pitcher go seven innings. And, and if you disagree with me, that's fine. If if you like the game of baseball the way it is, I totally get that. I, sometimes I don't want to change just for the sake that I don't want to change because I like things the way they are. I understand that. That is fine. I'm just proposing something that I think would help the game, possibly generate some more interest. If, if, if the MLB, which they are, they're looking for ways to try and generate more interest, this might be a way to do it. Shorten the game, because that's always a major complaint that people have. It's too long. It's too boring. Actually enforce some rules in between pitches to speed up the pace of play a little bit, and then bring the inning count down from 9 to 7. You're going to improve your payroll numbers just a little bit there, and you're still playing 162 games. You're also going to protect players. Their their arms aren't going to be going out. Catchers and pitchers alike will be thanking you for it. I think you're going to generate more excitement inside the span of a ball game because there's a short amount of time. If people disagree with me on that, I'd love to hear about it, though. I'm always uh, this is something that I've talked about. I would love to hear alternate arguments to it. I would love to hear people because if I'm saying something that people disagree with, like I, I once again, I would love to hear someone answer me on that one because it, and, and this isn't something that i get upset with and i don't want anybody else to get upset it's more of just a like this, this is it, this, no, this is, is legit like i want a good discussion about this because yeah, I, I think it's a decent idea to create a little bit more excitement across the span of a ball game it's always good to have discourse when you're trying to figure out a solution to something That's high school baseball games go high school baseball games go two hours they, they don't last more than that they last two hours to two hours and 15 minutes that that's a basketball game people won't tune out of that but you make somebody have to sit around for you know and, and also you go to a major league baseball game when did they stop selling concessions anyway that's true they stopped around the seventh inning so seventh like, inning stretch. That's, that's the point that i'm trying to make here and of course that'll go down a little bit less than that maybe you stop in the sixth inning or something like that or maybe you don't stop at all but I'm, that's just my stance on it. I'm still in favor of adopting a soccer slash hockey type of approach where you go to extra innings, you just home run contest it. You just throw your guy up there and y'all just start jacking home runs. That's kind of fun, like PK. Sting, yeah, you had an alternate is, argument to it and turned Sting on the mic I'm now. I'm not sure if this qualifies as a really good alternate argument, but what about 
how does that affect stats if you shorten the game from nine to seven? I've, innings? Ha- I've because, heard that. Who cares? But because then a, a complete game for pitcher is seven innings instead of yeah, nine. Who cares? And that I know, but I nobody feel like cares. That about, can affect a lot of stuff. Nobody's going to affect the and, past. And, and, then but, a, and then a perfect game is yeah. twenty-one batters. Nobody cares about those guys Look, anyway. You start I kind of care. Babe Look, Ruth would have been a plumber now. today. I understand you care because you're a big baseball guy, and that's the main argument that I've gotten yeah. that I have not been able to substantially eradicate from opposition to this. But you just say since the seven inning era, yeah, that's where it starts. It's just like when they say since guess, the Super yeah, Bowl era, since you know, since the merger, that's what it's going to be like. It's going to be since the seven inning era. That does it for hour number one of On the Line. Just an interesting talk there. We'll be back for more interesting talk. Hour number two coming up. You are on the line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama. On 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Noel Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with you for today's show. Intern Sting in the house as well behind the controls. We'll have him on in a little while as well to get you set for tonight's Auburn baseball game against Jacksonville State. We're going to start off hour number two here, similar to how we started off hour number one, discussing Auburn basketball, but in a different light here following Desi Sills' commitment to the Auburn Tigers, announcing his decision to transfer to Auburn from Arkansas. Where does Auburn go from here? Because if JT Thor returns, they're out of scholarships. That's it. They've reached the limit of 13. If JT Thor stays in the NBA draft and leaves Auburn, then they have one more to go. I think the Desi Sills commitment here may be stopping up the Scoot Henderson reclassifying. I mean, it could be. If JT Thor comes back, maybe they think internally that he's not. Maybe they maybe they feel as if he is going to stay in the NBA draft, and that's why they went out and get they go out and get a guy like Desi Sills, or maybe they feel like they've already lost on the Scooter Henderson reclassification. Maybe they already felt like that wasn't going to, you know, maybe maybe they felt like that wasn't going to happen or I don't know. It could it could be it looks like cuz me and you are both under the same camp that we think JT Thor's coming back to Auburn. So that could stop it, but maybe, I don't know anymore, man. Maybe I really internally, don't know anymore. Maybe internally they don't believe that. I'm at 50-50 right now with JT Thor. A couple weeks ago I was more confident, but I don't even know, man. I I don't know. It's a long process as well. There's no hurry at this point, especially with the way that things are in the current climate with COVID-19 still affecting other portions of the country, maybe a little bit more than it's affecting the local economy that we're in at the moment. I mean, things are pretty much open back for business here, unless it's like a private company or not a private property, uh, a uh, a corporation, you know, like Walmart and stuff like that. Th- those places are a little bit more uh they they resemble i mean there's still fast food places that you can't eat inside at right but local places can pretty much you know the 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 restrictions are pretty much all but lifted here other places of the country that is still not the case and so the nba and is still treating this uh it's a slower process it's it's it seems than than most years and it seems to be a little bit longer for auburn too because they weren't playing in the ncaa tournament 
or the SEC tournament. So all you started getting announcements yeah, like, like this a couple season, of days after the season ended. All season happened like before March. It, it, feels it happened like. a month early for Auburn basketball and compared even, to everybody else. And even before that, because Auburn basketball was was not playing very well at the end of the year. So fans were already kind of checking out and looking towards this offseason. And like they were they were already doing speculative, you know, like who's coming? Like what are we going to do? And then we're up here doing the show, doing the who's coming. What are we doing here? Let's talk about Jabari Smith right now already. And then next thing you know, you're starting that talk in like mid-February. I figured we would have heard something, maybe a little bit more about JT Thor, not necessarily nationally, but I feel like we would have seen more stuff out there about him in mock drafts. And maybe just a whole lot hasn't happened in the NBA draft process yet. I don't know. But at this point, just zero. And I, zero I, I thought we would have, Thor in the I thought we would have heard something. Like, it doesn't have to be a, oh, he's coming back, oh, he's staying. Like, heard something. Like, Positive, you know, at you know least. I mean? Like, maybe he was, like going, a, to, he's he was leaning, going to stay in the draft. Like, he's leaning towards staying in the draft. Or he's, yeah. you know, leaning toward. Like, you figured you would hear Everybody's something. Everybody's just kind of like... Some people lean that way. Some people say he's coming back. I've always leaned a little bit more towards he's coming back, but I understand maybe it could be a Peyton Barber situation where he wants to head on and maybe start making some money. It, it just it's hard to it's hard to know. He's got he's got an he's got an NBA body. I mean, mean you will say I mean you've said that all you know all year. He looks like an NBA player. Like you and I have said that if he comes back to college, and I think most people would agree with this, if he comes back to college and improves and refines his game he's an nba draft selection next year not once this season that i think jt thor is ready for the nba but next year if he gets better and more and refines his game and looks more like you know an 18 year old kid that's getting ready to go to the nba because you have to remember he was a high school he should have been a high school senior this year you look at jt thor in a different light next season when you're going to the nba and i think nba teams know that if the guy goes back to college he basically gets a year of development and then he's on the same he's also got another year of experience he's, he's got another year of ma- basketball maturity on even so he I, it, it, to me he's, he's a much more attractive NBA draft selection next year having played two years of college but he still has the age of the one and done players that come out that no, that's I, more attractive I, I to me than some of the one and dones coming out because his basketball maturity is a year more advanced than some of the other guys that are coming out with him his basketball iq is another year more advanced because he stayed in the college game and then nba teams can still get a hold of him and he's the same age as all the other guys around him he just got another year of practice against solid competition so jt thor for me it all makes sense why he should come back to college but sometimes it just doesn't work out that I, simple i agree with that with that notion because you look at a guy who has two years of experience and he comes out the same age as him or you know the same age as like a one and done player it's like a dream to me but also you might think about it from just to play devil's advocate a little bit there might be nba you know front offices that think we could get this guy at 17 you know we could get this guy younger and he could develop under us like we, we instead of you know him going back to auburn and college and develop let's just develop him up here i mean he's He's all right. We're already getting him on a year bargain. We're getting an extra year out of it. You know, we know how much the NBA loves their age. You know, a kid hits 19 and they are just untouchable for whatever reason. They they want 18 year olds and that's it. So like you could sit sit here and see that thought process. They could look at this guy. I mean, you look at JT Thor and you think, dude looks like he could play in the NBA. He just got to refine it. He's a raw guy coming out for the NBA. And they might sit there and think they could be the ones. There might be guys thinking. Go back to college, develop it. We'll get you, 
you know, next year. All it takes is one team to believe in him, though. Because I, I yep. have a feeling that 95% or more of NBA teams will not want to draft him. I agree with that. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think he's, just me personally, I don't think he's ready. I, I don't think that he is as attractive of a prospect as he would be next year if he comes back and refines his game. Because I, I, I think he would. Because He also might have a hard time making a roster because the NBA, people, yes, people still yes. have not realized this. If you're, if you're just now really getting into basketball because of the last four or five years at Auburn, you probably don't understand the total NBA process. Just because you got drafted does not mean... You you're might be, on that team next year. You'll be in their G League affiliate. Like you'll be, yeah. you'll be down there playing. A lot with, of second round selections don't end up actually getting signed. Yeah, you'll be playing with the Canton Charge out. Sometimes in a first Ohio. round selection may not get signed. You don't yeah. have to sign someone just because you drafted them. That's a, yeah, it's a hundred percent. I mean, to. especially those later, Different. those later outside the lottery, like twenty somethings picks. A lot yeah. of those guys end up going because that's typically where you know your top teams for this year. For instance, your Lakers, your Bucks, your Clippers. Their rosters are pretty full. You don't need to take some twenty-something yeah, pick that you really don't have a lot of faith in and put them on your roster and kick off a veteran guy. I also don't know why the G League is such an attractive location for anybody but the players that are foregoing college to go and play in the G League for one year because they're about to get drafted that next year. They're actually about yes. to get out of the G League. The G League is like the friend zone. You don't get out of it. It's, there it's, are very few people that get out of the friend zone. There are very few people that get out of the G League when they go to it. Just look at Jared Harper. Jared Harper is first team all G League. The NBA won't look at him. They won't let him come and play. And when he does, he plays in like three games a season and he gets like a minute a game. The One of the best, if not the best point guard in the G League is not getting considered for the NBA. That's true. And you can't tell me he's getting considered for the NBA just because he's well, that's, got a two-way deal with the New York Knicks. That means zero. He had a two-way deal with the Phoenix Suns, and they cut him. That's true. I mean, that's that's fair. because he two, didn't get to play. The two-way players, are that, that's basically having your practice squad I've in never the NFL. Un, I've never understood the concept of the G League. I don't think it does anyone... I, I, it's, good, it's, it's good for guys who have no shot at making to the NBA. But do they does, actually get to the NBA and they're not making anything? They're not. I mean, you, you well, make more money overseas. And if you're good enough to play in true. the G League, you might as well go and play overseas. They'll take you over there. Some people don't want to move overseas. Some people want to stay in the States. I mean, that's... like it, And you'll make next to nothing yes. in, the, in the G League. No, that's, and that's fair. It's literally for guys who don't want to play overseas and, you know, aren't going to make it to the NBA. It's I've just never taken the G League seriously. That's I see fair, a guy go fair. to the G League, I'm like, well, his career is over. I wish. Jimmer Fredette was like the king of getting out of the friend zone. When you're, hey. and, and now look at him. Guess where he's at? Hey, he's a king in China. They he's love overseas, him. though. He, he, won an exactly. MVP. he won an MVP. Like They, they view Jimmer Fredette the same way they view Stephon Marbury. They're going to be making movies about Jimmer Fredette in China. Jimmer Fredette was going up and down yeah, like Super was, Mario on the G League to NBA track. And then he says, well, I'm going to China. And he's making some money over there. And he's having a good time playing basketball. The G League never really, to me, seems like it's done anything for anybody that goes into it. Also, you have to look at this. NBA teams, right? What is their primary way when they start stinking? What is their primary way of improvement? Draft. Or and what or, are they going to draft? Or a high free agent if you're a big market team. So people are going to – and also – I'll say this, the NBA is more likely to sign someone that's been in the league for 13 years as an average player. It's more likely to sign a Seth Curry or worse 
Vince Carter stayed around until he was like what, exactly 50, 50, 50, 60 years old. For a while. <laughs> for a while. You I were, thought he was going to die on that court. He was so while, old. He couldn't jump anymore. I know, for he was, a while. He, he couldn't dunk anymore. He was doing, like, his his three-pointers were like set shots. He looked like taking free throws out there. The NBA is more likely, teams are more likely to bring in guys that have been role players or haven't played at all on some other teams and they just cycle around the league than they are to go and dip into the G League and take a chance on someone down there. The, the existence of the G League, like I, I don't understand the point of it. No, I, I, I really don't. And they're trying to make it out to be some development league because it used to be the D League. Yeah. And it's not the D League anymore. They changed that to the G League because I think they realized, hmm, this is not the development league. This it's, is, and, and they also found a way to slap a sponsorship on it, of course, because it's, yes. you know, Gatorade sponsors it. But it's not, still, this, it doesn't do anything. It's not a development league. It's a practice. It's, it's what the NFL has in a practice squad. That's what the G League is. Your affiliate is your practice squad. When, Let's say you practice have practice squad guys see more playing time than G League oh, yeah. players but do. That, that's also because there are also more, more spots. More spots and more NFL guys get hurt substantially. And I mean, that's just that's what it is. If the Knicks have what two, three point guards go down on their roster, that's when that two way contract comes up and it's like, hey, Jared Harper, come up and play. See, for I us. don't think so. I think they go and sign a free agent. You think so? I think yes. they, I think they would pull Jared Harper up before they signed a free agent right now because I can't think of a good point guard that would come in. And it also depends on the year, who's available and what you do and the length of the injury. If the injury is going to be 10 days, you know, if you have a couple guys who are only going to miss like a week or two, you just bring up a G League guy. Then why didn't the Phoenix Suns do that? Phoenix Suns didn't do it. The Phoenix Suns are, you know, they're a different different breed over there. I don't, I don't keep up with them too much. I understand why the Knicks don't do it. The Knicks are a bad organization. They don't, I mean, they're They're winning games this year. Yeah. They're winning games this year. Yeah, they're doing okay. They could do a lot better if they had Jared Harper playing. Aren't they a on that playoff team? team? I don't know if they could. Aren't they doing pretty well? They're, Aren't they I on mean, a win streak at the moment? They're doing well. RJ Barrett's played okay. And Knicks uh, are Julius, a five seed right now. Julius Randle's been playing really they're well. They're 32 and 27. Julius Randle is balling out. He's balling out. But I mean, it doesn't really matter because they're not. I think they would stick Julius Randle at point guard before they stuck Jared Harper at point guard. That's fair. I jokingly, I jokingly say that because I mean, Julius like you, Randle's an assist machine as a power forward. But it's it's hard to get out. I mean, you rarely see guys come out and end up being a role player in the NBA. The one guy that comes to my mind, you did say Jimmer Fredette, Quinn Cook from Duke. He played uh, substantial minutes for the Golden State Warriors in some of those championship runs. Because all he had to do was come off the bench and shoot threes. And Julius Randall is averaging six point one assists per game for the New York Knicks as a power forward. Well, he's a good. Pa- he's a he good actually passing. leads the Knicks in assists per game by almost three assists. That's not that surprising. He's always been a very good passing big man. Like he, that's one. That's part of his game. I just realized this. Another great example. Derrick Rose fits the fits the prime example because I just saw. I was like, oh, this guy plays yep. point guard for yep. for the New York Knicks, which Derrick Rose is a, is a higher class of player veteran that you player, could bring yeah. in a veteran but you're more likely to see the Derrick Roses and worse of the NBA bounce from team to team on a year in a year out basis than an NBA and team be like we drafted this guy in the second round and parked him in our G League team we're, we're just going to leave him there we don't want him anymore we're going to stay with the veteran guys who we know have no ceiling whatsoever the the best they're going to do is average um the, the best they're going to do is average JJ Barea numbers at 11 points a game and eight assists but you know like well and that's and that's fair it's almost like that same conversation we had yesterday about how Brian Harson had Grant Loy as the backup. Like sometimes you just want a veteran guy who's been around who can come in and not straight up lose you a game. And it's a little bit different talking about that with Grant Loy because I think Grant Loy could come in and lose you a game. <laughs> but Derek Rose isn't going to come in off the bench and lose you a game in a tough spot. You're listening to On the Line. You are on the line.
with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow Fox Sports Central Alabama on Facebook to keep up with the latest going on in sports. On the Line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more, all on Fox Sports Central Alabama on FoxSports983.com and on Facebook, that's FoxSports983.com. We've got a caller on the line with us. Number to call, 334-321-1390. As we head to the phone lines, we have Travis on the line with us. Travis, how was your weekend, my man? Doing good. It was good, guys. Noah, good to hear you. Levi, great to have you back, man. I appreciate that. I'm feeling good. I'm glad to be back. You get tired of laying in bed for so long, man. It's just... You can't do it. it. Your your body is not meant to lay in bed flat on your back for about two weeks straight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely miss you. But uh, uh no, I, I wanted to comment first of all that that Jeremy Law guy or a J Law as he calls himself on, on, on that you have on Monday. If I I don't know what kind of nickname that is. I guess he's trying to be J Lo. But uh, <laughs> he said he said that Auburn ran around eighty plays in their spring game and Alabama ran around one hundred and thirty. Why Why do you think that is? Why do you think Harson was just kind of a a get-in, get-out type of scrimmage on Saturday. I've been asking myself that question since Saturday, and I really don't have a good answer for it. Maybe it's to protect guys from getting hurt. I was shocked to see Auburn not – I was shocked about a couple of things on Saturday. A, I was shocked that Bonix didn't throw the ball more, but I was also equally, like, during the game when I was watching it, also shocked to see him playing for so long as well like I I expected first half and that to be it and maybe you see some more of the backups we didn't hardly see any of the backups in the ball game Bo Nix played a lot and I I think my best answer to Bo Nix playing as much as he did is that he needs all the help he can get but on the flip side if that's the truth why did Auburn run the ball so much I I, some of the things that happened on Saturday it it, honestly and I said this yesterday it was it, it was the worst day I've ever watched and I'm not talking about that from a from a talent perspective I just did not enjoy. I, I did not enjoy what we watched on Saturday. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, to me, Brian Horson was the most, the, the biggest kind of who the heck is that guy type of hire in, in all the Power Five last year. Nobody really knew who he was or where he was coming from, and he had a chance to to showcase his developmental skills with with Bo as a quarterback guy, and you know kind of announced his presence with authority, so to speak, with this, with this new offense. You know, Auburn's going away from the power spread that they run for almost a decade. And, uh, and he didn't do neither one of them. And, uh, you know, guys, another thing, Tank does not need to play in a game like A-Day. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he would be a top five back in the NFL right now. But as big as he's gotten with the breakaway speed he has, I mean, he's just, he's, in my opinion, he's the best running back in the country. Um I mean, you got Sean Shivers. I mean, that dude not sticking off. Remember what he did to take I mean, the dude runs harder than anybody for his size in the country. I mean, I, I was hoping that they would make Bo play without them. You know, that way, the, the Auburn season doesn't turn out that the movie Friday Night Lights when Booby Miles gets hurt. And then, you know, <laughs> because Mike Winchell can't throw the ball. <laughs> that, that's that's funny. 
I like that. I like that comparison because also you better hope that Bo Nix doesn't go down because there's not a whole lot at quarterback after Bo Nix either. That might be a little bit better of a comparison there. I would I would I wouldn't compare Bo Nix's skills necessarily to Booby Miles as you said, but <laughs> yeah, definitely I, I understand that. I was shocked to see Tank play for so long as well. I think maybe Auburn just maybe we're maybe the coaching staff used the spring game a little bit differently than maybe we're all used to. Maybe they were just looking to see these guys how they fit into the offense a big theme during the spring was them just learning to run it and understand the calls they're still trying to insert a new offense I think if anything Saturday was an indication that it's going to take a little while for this offense to find some identity several games into the regular season probably yeah I think Canyon's going to be one of the breakout receivers in the league I think he looked really good and I think y'all called him a go-to guy and bailout guy and being a big receiver this year well, Travis, I appreciate you calling in, my man. Uh, anything else on your mind? Uh, no, sir. I'm. All, I'm. I'm I've, I've, I've got some basketball stuff to talk about, but I don't want to take up any more of y'all's time. I'll try to call back either Friday or, or next week. We'll talk some basketball. That'll work, my man. There's plenty of great basketball news out there for Auburn folks. So don't be a stranger, my bud. Yes, sir. Warrior guys. Appreciate it. That was Travis on the line with us. We got another caller on the line as well. We're going to go to Jason on the line. Jason, how you doing today, my man? Hey guys, first time listener. I'm enjoying the show so far. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Love to hear it. And first time caller. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Hey, um, want to talk a little Auburn basketball? Um, I'm a little, you know, obviously I love Bruce, and it's hard to question anything he does. But I'm a little surprised he went with Desi. Uh, Maybe he feels like he's the best option. But there are so many kids coming out in the portal. Uh, I just, I'm afraid we're. We're taking somebody that, that wanted to come to Auburn, but there could have been somebody better if we'd been a little more patient. You talking about Desi uh, Seals? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been wondering Auburn. on why this why Auburn went this direction. And, and Levi and I talked about this to open up the show. Kind of, I, I didn't understand it from a Desi Seals perspective. Now for Auburn, I, I do think it's a good. I think it's a good role player that you pick up. He's shown the ability in the past because he was a preseason. SEC player of the year candidate going into this year and then he just lost a ton of minutes lost like 10 minutes 11 minutes or something like that from the previous year and he just kind of faded into the background at Arkansas for me I I wondered what it was what Desi Sills had it in for though because if he wants to go and be the guy somewhere which it seemed like he did why would you go to Auburn when there's four or five mouths in front of you to feed like Walker Kessler Jamari Smith Alan Flanagan there's so many other players in front of him that are going to see the ball more than Desi Sills. So I didn't quite understand it, but depth, I, I, depth, this is quality depth, I think, for Auburn. Well, I think he thinks he's going to come in and start at the two, and he very well may. Uh, you know, it may take Trey Alexander a half a season or, or more to win that job. Uh, so I think, you know, at Arkansas, he saw himself as just a backup. Uh, so I, I think that's the biggest reason he left. Um on to, you know, taking him and, and what that means for the rest of the roster. I really feel like Thor's not coming back, and I think it, they kept putting Seals off for a couple of weeks, and I think that's, you know, trying to get verification on whether uh, Thor would come back or not. I think they probably got that answer. Uh, I, I'm not even sure he's going to class, so I'm not sure how he can come back. I, I don't know how that works, but I would think you have to go to class on um, maybe if you guys interview a, a beat writer, they can they can research that. But uh, you know, I, I'm not positive that he, he's going to school right now. So I, I don't think he's coming. I think we would take Scoot Henderson in a in a heartbeat, and we'd make room for him one way or another. 
uh, if he decides to, to come to Auburn. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a crowded backcourt, too. And that's JT Thor's the, the player that you're looking at now to that, that decides a lot of things for Auburn next year. Because if, if he comes back, I think Alan Flanagan starts at the two and Desi Sills is a backup. And then, because they're going to find a way to start Alan Flanagan, I don't, I don't, I don't see right. Alan Flanagan missing out on the starting lineup. And if Thor comes back, I could see him playing the three. I have a hard time believing Thor would come back to be a backup as well. And there's no chance they don't start Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler because I think a big part of Walker Kessler's commitment was that yeah. Walker Kessler becomes a starter at Auburn because that was his issue at North Carolina. Auburn's just brought in a lot of transfers that their issue, or maybe just two there, Desi Sills and Walker Kessler, they brought in two who, who who's, both of their issues were, were playing time at where they were at. And I think one of, the, one of those guys is going to get what they want, and I think the other guy maybe will struggle to get out there on the floor maybe. But I agree with you. He definitely probably came to Auburn because he thought he was going to compete. But JT Thor's the guy that you're looking at because if Thor doesn't – if Thor comes back, they don't have another scholarship because Thor is the 13th player on the roster that, that makes it to the scholarship limit. But if Thor does stay in the NBA draft – then you can go and get Scoot Henderson, but then the backcourt becomes even more crowded. You've got like eight, nine guards that you got to work through. Yeah, that's true. I, you know, I think if if Thor came back and we had a pull and we had Scoot Henderson, I think we would either uh, stretch would would have to find a new place, or you know, Flanagan could always uh, be a walk on. You know, I'm I'm sure his dad can cover his that's fair that is fair i bet he doesn't want to but if he works at auburn i think he gets half off tuition so maybe that helps yeah that's true that's pretty good jason i appreciate it my man anything else on your mind that's it thanks folks appreciate it don't be a stranger be sure to call back i'll be calling back don't worry i'll talk a little nba too i I like having somebody to talk nba with that's great we we love that we never we never have nba callers so that's good for us we never really get someone to call and talk nba with us (laughs) Sounds good, guys. Take care. Appreciate it, Jason. You as well. The number to call, 334-321-1390. That's how you can get through to On the Line. Once again, 334-321-1390. Had some good callers here in this segment, Jason and Travis. Appreciate you guys calling in to On the Line. Once again, 334-321-1390. Just about a minute left in this segment. Uh, thoughts on those two calls Levi basketball related there uh, with Jason and Desi Sills we've talked about Sills a lot it's kind of hard to see how he fits in the Auburn basketball roster which we'll continue to talk about throughout the week tomorrow on tomorrow's show we're going to be comparing Auburn basketball's new additions to what Auburn lost where is Auburn better where is Auburn worse I think consensus in this studio all the people in here I think we would all say that everywhere every single position Auburn got better except for maybe point guard because you're losing Sharif Cooper but if you're looking at it from a backcourt perspective and you're looking at it from a frontcourt perspective they're better units I think they're I think they're both better units yeah I 100% agree I think that you're looking at a team that's improved maybe not improved in like one play you know what I mean like they, they might not have improved a point guard because Shreve Cooper, Cooper was a generational talent. Yeah, but the overall team and like you just said, the overall front court, the back court, they got better. The depth, the depth got better. If you want to look at a team totality of depth, that's and that's huge, yeah. especially when you're trying to make a late push towards you know a championship. Final yeah, injuries four are not going to sideline this team again. But I, I at least uh, Lord willing that that does not occur. You, you, you need <laughs> some. Like, you're going to have to have like a catastrophic like plague of. I everybody. say that, but Auburn baseball went through it. So <laughs> as me and stinging myself are over here just knocking on wood. And I'm and I'm praying <laughs> and I mean and I mean that so because <laughs> that would be uh, that would be crazy to see that many injuries sideline a basketball team that's as deep and talented as Auburn is next year, but. 
The Auburn-Alabama basketball rivalry is going to be loaded next year with some stars. Those teams did some work on the recruiting trail. We'll be talking about and ranking our top three springs of SEC football programs. Don't miss that conversation. Stay with us on On the Line. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Thirty minutes through hour number two of On the Line. Coming up in thirty minutes, it'll be the drive with Bill Cameron on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Stay tuned for that as Bill and Dan will be taking your calls as they do every weekday. Also, if you're looking for some baseball, some local high school baseball. Coming up at 5, I'll be on the call with Scott Bagwell. I'll be his color analyst tonight. He'll be handling play-by-play duties for Auburn High Baseball against Central Phoenix City. Long-time rivalry. These are the two rivals when you when you come down to it. Uh, in baseball, maybe Auburn-Smith Station, that as well. The, the, both of those rivals are, are probably equally as hot against each other. But when you're talking about football, man, Auburn and Central, that is, that is the rivalry in this region, in this area. Of course, Auburn-Opelika is... is is bigger than that but they're no longer in the same region anymore so when you're talking about for region standings classification as well Auburn and Central in the same class Auburn and Opelika no longer in the same class either I mean it's still people may be misconstruing what I'm saying and now I'm having to back up a little bit the Auburn Opelika rivalry is still much bigger than Auburn Central but when you're talking about standings and postseason implications has nothing to do with it Auburn Central big deal it's a big deal regardless like those those games I mean that the games you get up for those are the games you're yeah. going to play regardless and I mean it just so happens to be you know pretty important has some pretty big ramifications with that this go around so it's going to be a good game you guys should definitely check that one out 5 p.m on 96.3 W Lee that'll be how you can listen what else are you going to do this afternoon exactly nothing you're going to you're going to tune in you're going to tune in and listen to some baseball not many places that I'd rather be at on a pretty afternoon like this it's getting a little chilly we're supposed to, uh, we might have a, a frost coming in from what I was looking on the weather. It's crazy. Just when you thought that we were getting to some summer weather. Just when you thought. Tease this going into the segment now. We're going to rank our top three springs among SEC football programs. We're going to keep it in the SEC here. This could be transfer related. This could be what we saw at spring games. We're just ranking the overall stature of SEC spring for, for SEC football programs during the spring. We're, we're ranking the overall stature of it. What went on? Some of these teams I pushed a little bit ahead because I liked their transfers. I liked what they did bring it in in terms of recruiting. But some of the others, they didn't add anything. And they lost guys, a lot, but they looked yeah. really good during the spring. And some guys, you and some teams, you might push down a little bit because we haven't seen their spring game yet. Some some of these teams haven't played yet, and you, you might not feel fully confident in what you've seen from them so far. Uh, you might push some teams like Florida and Kentucky down the barrel because. They're not having a spring game this year. That might affect you. Like you might not. You didn't get to see the whole scope. Like you see what the transfers are. You see what has been reported out of their spring practices, but you didn't see the final of it. So like it's hard to evaluate some of those teams because you didn't see them in a full game situation. I'll throw an honorable mention out there before we get into the top three. I can't put Kentucky in the top three because Kentucky's product is not going to look better than some of the other teams that i have here in the top three well see i that's but, that's something i didn't do i didn't put them based off the three best teams i put what i thought were three 
not the, not the three best teams, but three of the that best. did some work to improve. S- three springs, yes. Like, so did how, Kentucky make it into your rankings? I actually they were my four teams, so they are they are all my honorable mention as well. But I do Kentucky a, did some work. Maybe we'll just extend this to four then. Let's we'll go, talk well, about let's Kentucky. Go talk about Kentucky since we're, we're on it. We're on yeah. it. Let's go ahead and talk about our Kentucky honorable. A lot mention. of transfers. You're talking about somebody that did some work in the transfer portal this offseason. Kentucky brought in a handful. They they're one of the few teams that brought in as much as they saw transfer out. Teams like Georgia and Alabama hardly brought in anything. Alabama actually, according to the transfer portal on twenty four seven sports, nobody's coming in. But and Georgia's in the same boat with the exception of Tyke Smith coming from West Virginia. But I'm looking at this. They got Will Levis, pro style quarterback, coming to Kentucky immediately eligible. They also got dual threat quarterback Nick Scalzo. As well, it says that he's transferred from Kentucky to Kentucky, though. I don't, I don't even know what that means. But so, never mind. I'm not going to include that. That's on the 24 7 Sports <laughs> transfer portal. But then you've got a wide receiver. Some people are super high up on this one. Wandale Robinson, wide receiver, former four star recruit that was at Nebraska. He's transferring to Kentucky as well, and, and he'll be immediately eligible. Also, another Big Ten wide receiver, Trayvon Morgan, coming from Michigan State. So, you import two top half big 10 programs historically nebraska and michigan state you bring two guys that have they're coming from reputable programs i know they may be experiencing some hard times at the moment but they're decent players defensive side of the ball you bring in justice dingle from georgia tech to play at defensive end at linebacker you also get another michigan state player luke fulton transferring at inside linebacker He's a three-star recruit, and then th- that that's it. But you see several players coming in at multiple position groups. They were able to bring in some decent talent. They made a pipeline out of Big Ten schools with Penn State, Michigan State, and Nebraska. But I like what they did on the transfer out of the transfer portal to try and go and bring in some recruits. Stoops has done a great job with Kentucky's program over these years just to make them competitive. They were a win away from being from having a winning record last season if they had beaten auburn Auburn they're the auburn game away if they had beaten auburn they have auburn's record and auburn has kentucky's record because kentucky finished five and six auburn finished six and five that win would would obviously flip the records kentucky ended on a high note won their last two games won their bowl game there's a lot to like about this kentucky team in terms of how they're ran stoops obviously I, i think i saw something earlier this week you guys correct me on this but i'm pretty sure i saw something earlier this week maybe even this morning where stoops said something like we're not alabama georgia but we're pretty close which is not true they're not close but maybe they're closer as you said off off air levi's and maybe they're closer than south carolina or tennessee or somebody like that but they're closer than them (laughs) kentucky's receiving some preseason projections as well right now or some offseason projections just like way too early looks as being like possibly the second or third team in the sec east maybe could sneak ahead of florida next year my problem with that is i still don't like kentucky's quarterback room in comparison to florida's quarterback room i like emory jones a lot better than i like what kentucky's bringing to the table at the quarterback position. i don't think either of the teams can throw the football but i I think Emory Jones I like more as an overall athlete at the quarterback position than maybe what he, I'm looking at. And if Kentucky. he develop, and if Emory Jones develops into you know and takes a if Emory Jones takes a step forward and throwing the football, then you're looking at a much better team. Yeah. So, and I, so mean, I, I like what Kentucky did for additions and they're a well run program and now they've seen some insertion of some new talent, some new blood that maybe can help them out at skill positions, maybe can help them out in the passing game. So I'll say Kentucky just because I think they've done more work than other programs in the transfer market that was why they were an honorable mention to me but now getting to three on my list i'm going with florida i flip-flopped between florida and georgia 
I actually have two lists right here, and they flip Florida and Georgia on it. As you can see, I, I'm not lying here. I have this. And then you swayed me when you said, when you mentioned the part where you're like, well, you don't get to see the end product of the spring. My main reason for Florida here is they are on a list of teams that were actually able to bring in a high-profile player out of the transfer portal, able to get running back and former five-star Demarcus Bowman to come to Gainesville. And he's coming from Clemson, five-star running back out of 24-7 sports as a player when he was coming out of high school, 99.99 rating for this guy. Five-star running back. Florida needs the help at running back. I've never been overly impressed with what Florida has at running back. They've had good running backs, but not great running backs. I think that's a big addition. The thing that's holding me back on Florida compared to some other teams right now, quarterback play. I'm concerned with Emory Jones being able to throw the football. This would be where you could feel more confident in putting them at the three or the four on you know the two or the three on your list if they were able to have that spring game where you get to see some really good rep from a guy like Emory Jones because you really don't know right now I mean he he could take he could take a lot of steps forward like I just said and he could be an amazing dual threat quarterback playing for the Gators this year or he could not improve that much and you feel good about the running ability of this team you're always going to feel good about a spread system with Dan Mullen coming out there with a quarterback who can run but what is what is he going to bring that they were passing? So you're a little hesitant on that, but it is a good. It is good when you see them bringing a guy like Bowman, who is a former five-star recruit out of Clemson, to come and play running back because they haven't had a lot of good running backs. I mean, they've had good, but not a lot of great running backs. On the defensive side of the ball, obviously they get Auburn transfer Daquan Newkirk, yep, four-star out of high school, and then you also got defensive tackle Antonio Shelton. So they add stuff to their defensive line that also is seeing as as they do every year on the defensive side of the ball. They see players going to the NFL. So they they did some work in the transfer portal and higher profile guys in the transfer portal than what Kentucky did. That's why I've got them ahead of Kentucky on that list. But we've got a caller on the line with us. We're going to go to Brad on the line. Brad, how you doing today, my man? Hi, this is Brett. Oh, Brett. Sorry, uh, Brett. That's okay. Um, I heard the caller a little while ago. I'm surprised that Auburn got seals. Uh, I think a lot of people were just looking at his stat line for this year. He averaged 10 right over ten and a half the previous year but this year I think a lot of people don't realize he actually got hurt February 2nd at that point in time he was having another good year even better year in 25 minutes he was averaging ten and a half points a game about 44 percent from the field 33 percent from uh three point and uh, on top of all that that the, the guy's a solid defender too which Auburn had one guy last year who could defend the ball outside, that being Flanagan. Uh, now they've got uh, two excellent defenders outside and two others who, who are solid on-ball defenders. And, and he also can handle the ball. So in case we get yet another injury to a point guard, I mean, it, it, if the ball's rebounded and kicked out to him, he, he can go coast-to-coast with it and, or, or dish it off. It, it, he's a good all-around ball player, and he adds some uh, – physicality at at the guard position he, he he weighs 200 pounds yeah and you're not wrong looking at his stat line and you're and you're right as soon as as soon as he got hurt that's where you see a, a big part of his minutes drop i oh, yeah i, I was kind of concerned I, I, my big thing is why is he wanting to leave arkansas considering the the program's in a good spot and, and he seemed disgruntled with arkansas so i'm kind of curious why he wanted to leave arkansas but you're right back in february when he got hurt that's where he starts putting up zeros in games that he appears in, barely plays any, yeah. and that hurt his stat line a lot. That is that is a very good point looking at it because there were a lot of yeah. a lot of goose eggs on his on his game log. 
Yeah, after the uh, February 2nd game, I believe it was, Mississippi State, that, which is the game he got hurt in, um, <clears throat> I think he averaged two shots a game. I mean, you know, that, that's how it's going to drop your score. That'll average. drop your stats. Yeah. <laughs> that'll drop your stats real quick. Yeah, and, and it was his left shoulder. He's a left-handed shooter, and it was his left shoulder he hurt. So, you know, it was kind of like when Bryce Brown got hurt that year on his shoulder. You know, it, it definitely affected his his shooting. But, but Seals – Stills is a ball player, and this year, unlike last year, Auburn's going to be able to defend from 40 feet. They're going to be able to pressure the ball. Auburn's shot blockers aren't going to have guys flying through the lane at will every time down court and have to worry about foul trouble because Auburn's got guys who can actually defend the ball. Do you think Sills starts next year? Uh, who knows? I mean, it depends. I feel like he'll definitely get 22 minutes or more a game. Yeah, I'm. I, see, I wonder where he fits in. There's just so many guys that are, are in the backcourt now, and I, I, I could, you know, 20 minutes a game is nothing to, to turn his head at or anything. I don't think like that either, but a lot of it for me depends on if JT Thor comes back, because if Thor comes back, I can see Thor starting, then Flanagan's moved to the two spot, but there's just so many guards, and I'm trying to figure out. It, for me, this is a great addition for Auburn. I've just throughout his entire recruitment I've wondered why Desi Sills wants to come to Auburn when there's so much competition at his specific position that's the question that I have not been able to answer yet maybe he just wants to be on a great basketball team he he does have a good relationship with uh coach Flanagan that might be because of the the Arkansas pipeline you know yeah yeah, (laughs) that makes sense that makes sense all right guys later on Appreciate it, Brett. Thanks for calling in, and uh, don't be a stranger, my man. Thank you for calling in. Once again, the number to call, 334-321-1390. That was great. Brett. Great point. I mean, great points he brought up that we were we didn't really hit on. You know, his stats take a big hit when he, after, gets, hurt. When he gets hurt, as you know, almost, you know, as most people do. Still agree with Jason, too, though, on why I don't totally understand why you would want to come to Auburn at this point, but then and brett does bring up too the He's, he could really like this coaching staff i i don't know he could they, just want to play for a winner hey i mean really desi seals really hasn't said a whole lot about any of this either his recruitment's been pretty quiet too other than when he announced his transfer when he was like desi's gonna yeah. i want to be i want to be at a place where desi can be desi and, and i guess maybe that just means he wants to be comfortable Who and knows? what's fine and what's fine about this is we don't have to know why He's no, here. He's on the team. That's Auburn, all that matters at this point. I do we think Auburn got a good a good basketball player. Oh, one hundred percent got a good got a very good basketball player. And you know what? Reasons don't matter. He's on the team now. Perfectly fine. My only complaints with Desi Sills at this point in his career, even when he averaged ten point six points per game in his sophomore campaign, his second year at Arkansas, which led everybody to have the, the huge expectations for Desi Sills this year at Arkansas. He still was a volume player and wasn't the most efficient guy on the floor. Still just averaging 42% from the floor, which isn't bad. The three-point shooting, he shot the three a little bit too much for me at, at the percentage that he was shooting it at. It was low 30s at like 32.9%. And his free throw shooting is not as good as you'd like to see for, for someone that's playing the guard position, only shooting 65% from the free throw line. Maybe I'd like to see him be a little bit better at distributing the basketball, 1.2 assists per game, but that's not what he was asked to do at Arkansas. He was, he was a two-guard. That was what he was asked to do. He's a good player. He's definitely still got some room to grow, though, and improve. But Desi Seals still a huge commitment for Auburn's program. Just from a death, death piece, Auburn, Auburn showed up, man. There's there's like a 12-day period, two weeks, where Auburn just landed recruit after recruit after recruit, starting with Walker Kessler and Wendell Green and Zepp Jasper and now Desi Seals. And Alabama was having their, their run in the sun for seven minutes or for, for a week, for seven days. 
and then Auburn basketball reels in some some major recruits and now it's crickets on the other side just saying now it's crickets this thing's about to this basketball rivalry is about to heat up these teams oh, sure. these teams loaded up with talent on both sides we'll wrap up the show on the other side of this break still ranking our top three springs in the sec we get to the thick of our list coming up the top two on the other side of this break Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Wrapping up the show here on On the Line. Let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Or not. (laughs) Or not. We're not going to listen to what's on TV tonight. I guess we're not going to do it right now. Sting is behind the controls, and he is completely completely a mess at the moment. He is completely and utterly checked out over there. He, he did not. Sting, you ready to hit the hockey? You ready for what's on TV tonight? <laughs> what's on tonight? Here we go. Hey, everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. It's Wednesday, and that means a new episode of The Masked Singer. The Super 8 performs on Fox from 7 to 9. There's a sitcom lineup on ABC beginning at 7 with The Goldbergs. At 7.30, catch Home Economics. At 8, The Connors. And at 8.30, call your mother. Movie selections for tonight. Wolverine travels to Japan as an opportunity to remove his immortality arises. Wolverine is on AMC at 7. Skyfall is on BBC at 7 as well. Shrek is cast into an alternate universe of far, far away and must overcome Rumpelstiltskin to get back his happily ever after. Shrek Forever After is on Freeform at 7. A classic comedy, My Cousin Vinny is on FX Movies at 7. In live sports, we have an interleague matchup in the MLB with the Atlanta Braves at the New York Yankees on ESPN at 5.30. Two NBA games are on NBA TV starting at 6 with the Phoenix Suns at the Philadelphia 76ers. At 9, the Memphis Grizzlies and the Los Angeles Clippers close out the night. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight that was the delayed version of what's on tv sorry tonight. guys we not, built it up we built up the the height for I what's know, on I'm tv not, tonight. not 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 my finest moment there sorry cellular cellular devices destroying the brains of I got, I got the america's youth no neurons firing over here when you guys were saying that so it, it did i I'm, I'm trying to remember if my cousin Vinny was on yesterday or tonight and then because i just said youths and then i was like youths <laughs> what's on Vinny's? Th- yeah uh, cousin Vinny's youths. tonight it's tonight it is yeah that's why so the youths of america are having their brains destroyed by cellular devices and social media we are <laughs> and they're okay with it too right but levi you actually had someone interesting at number three on our list of ranking the top three springs in the sec and i think we're going to run out of time on this we got two minutes left in the show, and we are going to run out of time on this. So, well, so let's we'll bookmark the top two for tomorrow. How about that? Yeah, Warp we'll, speed. Come we'll, on. we'll get into it tomorrow uh, a little bit more in depth because I, I I like this we, conversation, and I don't want to burn it and here. We, and we have the same two top teams. So, But, yeah, I had Arkansas at three just because I like what they've done at quarterback. I like what I see out of K.J. Jefferson. I think he's a good quarterback. And the way I evaluated a lot of these was I tried to figure out – like I heard LSU and Mississippi State in my mind because they – they don't have the quarterback position figured out, and that's important going into or coming out of spring. They also really – well, Mississippi State more so than LSU. Mississippi State actually added pieces in the transfer portal. Yeah. LSU did not. They brought in one player, and it's a Clemson transfer, and I actually think he he announced like last season. I, I don't, I don't yeah. think that was announced. It wasn't like a recent thing, so like you yeah. kind of knew that. But, yeah, no, I think K.J. Jefferson is – that wasn't a spring thing. He's a vast improvement for what we've seen at the at the quarterback position at Arkansas. Even better than Felipe Franks? Yeah, I, I, I think he has a higher ceiling. Because Felipe Franks played well. He played well, but I think K.J. Jefferson at least has a higher ceiling than Felipe Franks. And the biggest... And Mainly another because thing, he has more years there than just one than Felipe Franks. He's, a, he's, a more, he's more of a mobile quarterback as well. He can run the ball as well as throw the football. My question to you then is, 
will he play better than Felipe Franks this season at Arkansas? I think so, because you're also getting an improved Traylon Burks, who was their leading receiver last year. People forget he was a four-star receiver coming out, and he has the These build. These are Chad Morris recruits. And Tra- I mean, Traylon Burks is a guy who can flat-out play. 6'3", 223 pounds. Like, he came in a four-star recruit. He's a guy who could play in the NFL. He, I mean, he might be like a fourth, you know, fourth, fifth-round guy right now but like he has an nfl body and if he takes strides Seth williams is a fourth round guy possibly yeah. so if you see a guy like Traylon burks take steps forward with kj jefferson this could be a very lethal quarterback receiver combo does that translate into to wins does that translate into arkansas jumping super high up with some guys maybe not but if we're ranking spring i like what arkansas did this spring because at least it shows me that going into the year they got a quarterback They've got a really good receiver, if I'm not mistaken. They do still have a good running back on the roster if he didn't leave this year. And I think they could improve. And we're just ranking the spring. I think coming out of the spring, they did a really good job. I like what they did, and that's how I valued it. I'm not saying that they're better than the teams behind them. Just saying in the in scope of the spring, like they what they better. did. Yeah, I like what they did. They're going to have a hard time making a bowl game. Their schedule's pretty pretty rough. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow when we Toughest revisit schedule this in the country. topic. I don't know if I go that far, but it is pretty tough. You got a non-conference matchup against Texas. It's brutal. We got the drive with Bill Cameron following us here on On the Line. We'll be back tomorrow. You know where to find us.